Hello. This is episode 19 of the Hate Crime Files, a podcast about crimes typically involving violence motivated by prejudice based on race, religion, sexual orientation, gender, gender identity, or other grounds. I'm your host, Terrence Heath. This podcast covers disturbing events and may not be suitable for everyone. It is not recommended for young children. Listener discretion is advised. First, I must apologize to listeners who are expecting to hear a new episode on Wednesday of this past week. Circumstances around the global coronavirus pandemic, social distancing, Self-quarantine and school closures have caused me to push this episode back a few days. Those circumstances also led me to quickly put together what might be considered a special episode about a disturbing aspect of the pandemic. By now, you are no doubt aware of the spread of the coronavirus, which causes the disease dubbed COVID-19. Unless, like actor-singer Jared Leto, you've been isolated and off the grid for a considerable time. Leto was on a 12-day meditation retreat in the desert and heard nothing about the pandemic until he returned. According to the CDC, reported cases of COVID-19 have ranged from mild symptoms to severe illness and death. The symptoms of COVID-19 are fever, cough, and shortness of breath. These symptoms may appear anywhere from 2 to 14 days after initial exposure to the virus. Emergency warning signs include difficulty breathing and shortness of breath, persistent pain or pressure in the chest, new confusion or inability to arouse, and bluish lips or face. Anyone experiencing these emergency signs should seek medical attention immediately. It seems appropriate to include some basic facts about COVID-19. These are from a fact sheet posted on the Center for Disease Control website at cdc.gov COVID-19. 1. Diseases can make anyone sick regardless of their race or ethnicity. Fear and anxiety about COVID-19 can cause people to avoid or reject others, even though they're not at risk for spreading the virus. Two, for most people, the immediate risk of becoming seriously ill from the virus that causes COVID-19 is thought to be low. Three, someone who has completed quarantine or has been released from isolation does not pose a risk of infection to other people. Four, There are simple things you can do to keep yourself and others healthy. Wash your hands, often with soap and water for at least 20 seconds, especially after blowing your nose, coughing or sneezing, going to the bathroom, and before eating or preparing food. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth with unwashed hands. Stay home when you're sick. Cover your cough or sneeze with a tissue, then throw the tissue in the trash. You can help stop COVID-19 by knowing the signs and symptoms. Fever, cough, shortness of breath. Seek medical advice if you develop symptoms, 
have been in contact with a person known to have COVID-19 or live in or have recently visited or traveled to an area with the ongoing spread of COVID-19. Call ahead before you go to your doctor's office or emergency room. Tell them about your recent travel and your symptoms. At the time of this recording, there are 336,838 confirmed cases of COVID-19 and 14,616 confirmed deaths across 187 countries, areas, or territories. In the U.S., there are 33,889 cases and 428 deaths across all 50 states, the District of Columbia, Puerto Rico, Guam, and the Virgin Islands. These numbers, however, have to be taken with a grain of salt because of a lack of testing for COVID-19. To slow the spread of the disease here in the U.S., governors have advised citizens to practice social distancing and self-quarantine by staying home and only going out when necessary. Here in Maryland, where I live, the governor ordered the closure of all bars and restaurants in the state as well as fitness centers, spas, and theaters. Restaurants are allowed to continue carry out drive-through and delivery services and eateries in healthcare facilities are allowed to remain open. Initially, gatherings of more than 50 people, including social, community, spiritual, religious, recreational, leisure, and sporting gatherings were prohibited. But because some people have been treating it like a vacation with parties, cookouts, and large gatherings, the governor announced new measures limiting public gatherings to 10 people and requiring the closure of shopping malls. The governors of California, Illinois, New Jersey, and New York have put their states on lockdown, ordering citizens to stay home amid rising numbers of cases in their states. Unfortunately, the coronavirus pandemic is following the patterns of other outbreaks. Fear and ignorance are spreading nearly as fast as the virus itself. Worse yet, it seems to be trickling down from the highest levels of government. In a disturbing trend, Asian Americans and Asians in other countries report that they are facing harassment related to the coronavirus pandemic. Some cases involve simple microaggressions, comments, and actions that subtly express prejudice against groups that are discriminated against or subject to stereotypes. Some are violent attacks. Chinatowns in cities across the country are seeing a decrease in foot traffic, and restaurants are losing as much as 80% of their business. In some cases, restaurants have already had to close. Some people are using it as a chance to attack China. Karen Chen, the executive director of the Chinese Progressive Association in Boston, said of the virus, To me, as a Chinese-American living in the U.S., this tension between the U.S. and China will hurt Chinese-Americans here in our community. In Fresno, California, 
Anna Chandy was taking her 11-year-old son to school when she noticed the words F Asians and coronavirus on her father's car. Though misspelled, the hate behind the spray-painted words was explicit. Chandy said the hardest part was explaining to her son. Maybe they already felt the hate inside, and they just used the coronavirus as an excuse, Chandy said. Children have been targeted, too, by other children and adults alike. Devin Cabanilla from Seattle said that a Costco food sample vendor told his Korean wife and mixed-race son to get away from the samples, questioning whether they had come from China. Company executives later apologized to his family, but he's still shaken. It reminds me that when people look at us, they don't see us as American, he said. 13-year-old Sarah Algard said that since the outbreak, many middle-class school classmates of hers have been targeting the small population of Asian Americans at her school in Middletown, Connecticut. People call us Corona, she said, or ask if they eat dogs. Rebecca Wen from North Brunswick, New Jersey, said that her nine-year-old son reported that his 11-year-old classmate said, you're Chinese, so you must have the coronavirus. A Vietnamese woman in Southern California told Slate reporter Aaron Mack that her eight-year-old son was bullied in school because he's Asian. It was after school on a Friday, she said. I came home kind of late. My eight-year-old son was acting a little bit more surly than usual. And I said, what happened? What's wrong with you? And he's like, there's some kid at school who said they don't want to hang out with me because I might be a coronavirus carrier. And then he starts crying. In February, a 16-year-old Asian-American student was attacked in a San Fernando school when bullies accused him of having the coronavirus. The student was taken to the emergency room to be checked out. He went to the hospital originally and went to the emergency room, said Executive Director of the L.A. County Human Relations Commission, Robin Toma, during a press conference. They were taking MRIs to ensure he didn't have a concussion or other harm. The student's name and school have not been released. In Indiana, two Hmong men were harassed and barred from a stay at a Super 8 motel and a day's in. Cal Lohr and his uncle Lee tried to get a room at a Super 8 motel in Plymouth when they faced extra scrutiny. Cal Lohr said an employee asked if he was Chinese. Lohr began recording the encounter. If you're from China, I need to know, the employee said. Because why? Lohr asked. Because of the coronavirus going around, he replied. And anyone from China, I'm told, has to be picked up and quarantined for two weeks. That's not accurate. It's U.S. citizens who have recently returned from China's Hubei province who must be quarantined for up to two weeks upon their return to the United States. Kao Lor went to a nearby day's inn and asked an employee on video if Asians are not allowed. The employee appeared to say, no, Asians aren't allowed. Wyndham Hotel 
which franchises both the Days Inn and Super 8 brand, sent a statement to CNN. We're deeply troubled by these incidents as they're not reflective of our values or our expectations of our franchisees, the statement read. While these locations are individually owned and operated, it's important to note that the corporate policy referenced in the video does not exist. Andrew Nguyen, 22, an employee at APE, a retail clothing store in West Hollywood, was ringing a customer up last week when the man gave him a dirty look. Nguyen reached into the bag to scan the tag on the mask the man was purchasing, the type of face mask meant to be fashionable, not a medical one, his fingers brushing the cloth. The man said brusquely, Can you get me a new one? Why? Nguyen shot back. Because you touched it, the man responded. In February, a woman in Washington state returned home from a December trip to China's Hunan province to bury a relative. The following day, she was confronted at her door by her condo property manager and told she should leave her home and be quarantined because she had traveled to China. Management then placed flyers in the entryway of her condo, headlined, virus quarantine, and alerting residents to a possible infection. The woman, who fears further discrimination, was not sick and under no official quarantine order or restriction. Neighbors learned of her trip and decided to take matters into their own hands. Tani Jira Prapasuke was verbally attacked on the Los Angeles subway. She posted a video of the confrontation online, and it went viral. Jira Prapasuke, who was born in L.A., isn't even Chinese. But that didn't stop a man on the subway from singling her out and claiming that Chinese people are responsible for all manner of diseases. Jira Prapasuke, who is Thai American, said the man ranted for 10 minutes while looking and gesturing at her. Every disease has ever come from China, homie. Everything comes from China because they're effing disgusting, the man said. They can be so smart, like, oh yeah, I developed this, I developed that, but like, yeah, you can't even wipe your own ass. Health reporter Bethany Au wrote in the Philadelphia Inquirer about harassment that she faced. As I turned at the intersection of 5th and Spruce Street on my bike ride to work last Monday morning, I heard something that I'd never heard in Philadelphia before. You Chinese. A woman had wanted me to wait for her to reach the crosswalk before I entered the bike lane and was furious that I hadn't. In her anger, she decided to attack my ethnicity. She shouted what I was supposed to perceive as an insult so loudly that a UPS delivery man turned his head in surprise. I sent a tweet about that incident, mostly hoping that people who witnessed similar incidents in the future would speak up. I had no plans to write about it until a man shouted China at me from the sidewalk just two days later while I was biking to work. Allison Park from Brooklyn was visiting D.C. when she saw a man making faces at her on the metro train. She tried to move away from him, but he wouldn't stop. After a while, she said, he confronted her outright, saying, 
Get out of here. Go back to China. I don't want none of your swine flu here. A week later, on a muni train in San Francisco, another man yelled at her the same thing. Go back to China. And even threatened to shoot her. When the news of a novel coronavirus began to trickle out of the Chinese city of Wuhan, Eunice, a Hong Kong native living in New York, started wearing a face mask, reasoning that it was a good way to protect herself. It was more than a simple precaution. When you wear a mask, it's a symbol of solidarity to other people. Eunice, who asked to be identified only by her first name, said, it's a way of saying, I understand that things are scary, but here's a thing that I'm going to do to protect myself and to protect all of you. Not everyone around her shared this understanding. In the weeks that followed, Eunice said she began experiencing multiple forms of xenophobia, such as people distancing themselves from her on public transit or making racist comments, including a death threat. Every time something like this happens to me, I always have a fleeting thought of, like, should I not go out in a mask anymore? She said. I should not have to choose my safety over my health. Emily Chen was riding the subway home in New York when a male passenger started making offensive remarks, and another man stepped in to defend her. In a video she posted to Facebook, a man can be heard saying, you Chinese, why did you bring the corona to America? A second man interrupts the man's tirade and tells him to leave her alone. Thank you so much for protecting me, Chen said in response. A 47-year-old Hong Kong-born man and his son were attacked in New York City. The man who wished to be identified only as Jeff has lived in the U.S. for 35 years. He was walking with his son to a bus stop near 70th Avenue and Queens Boulevard when a man approached them. The guy walked past us. That triggered him. He was screaming at us and said, Where the F is your mask? Jeff said. I turned around to look at this guy. I've lived in New York for a long time. I've seen all kinds of crazy people around. Usually we just ignore them. But he was cursing and yelling. I told my son to avoid this kind of situation first, but if there's no other choice, then be strong and stand up for yourself, Jeff said. He's a very quiet kid. I asked him if he was scared this morning, and he said a little bit. When he came back from school, he didn't talk to me. He doesn't know how to react. The suspect then yelled, you effing Chinese, and followed them to the bus stop. He took off when a police car pulled up to the scene, and an officer asked what was going on. The man, identified as 44-year-old Raul Ramos, was arrested and charged with aggravated harassment as a hate crime and issued a desk appearance ticket for the attack. A video shared on Facebook showed a man on the New York subway ordering an Asian man to move away from him. The footage was shot on an N train in Sunset Park, Brooklyn. The man is heard shouting, tell him to move, about the Asian man, prompting someone to ask why. Because he's standing right effing next to me. Tell him to move, tell him to move, the man shouts. The culprit then takes what appears to be air freshener 
and sprays the product in the victim's direction. An Asian woman walking in midtown Manhattan was attacked by a stranger who blamed her for the coronavirus, spat on her, and pulled her hair. The 34-year-old victim was attacked on East 25th Street and Madison Avenue at 6.15 p.m. in the evening. The victim told police she was walking to the subway station as she made her way home when a stranger jumped her. This is why this coronavirus, the assailant screamed as she spat on the victim and pulled her hair. Police arrested Lynn Ferguson, 33, of the Bronx shortly after the incident, charging her with assault as a hate crime and aggravated harassment as a hate crime. She was also charged with drug possession after three hypodermic needles and half a joint was found in her purse. Police arrested a 13-year-old boy for kicking a 59-year-old Asian man to the ground in Harlem. F.U. Chinese coronavirus, the teen screamed as the victim fell to the sidewalk. F.ing Chinese coronavirus, the kid barked before telling the victim to go back to his country, according to sources. The victim told police officers the same teen had spit in his face and said that Chinese have the coronavirus earlier. It's not just a problem in the U.S. Asians in other countries have faced similar harassment and violence. Asians in the UK have spoken out about their experiences. Ashley, 30, said, There's been an undercurrent of racism since the coronavirus outbreak. Just last week, my friend's boss passed hand sanitizer to everyone in the office before advising his employees to be careful on the tube and to move away from Chinese people. My friend felt incapacitated as the company has no HR and the boss is the founding partner of the company, so can say whatever he wants. Raymond, 23, said, The closest encounter that probably borderlines racism for me took place on the London Underground, where the moment I sat down, two of the guys sitting in the same row left for the next coach, and a third stood up and got off at the next stop. I felt alienated, being sat in an empty row on a relatively busy train and there was pretty much nothing I could do about it. The experience made me hesitate to wear a face mask as they seemed to raise even more eyebrows in public spaces. Vivian, 35, said, On the underground the other day I was playing with someone else's dog. The owner was being nice to me but then asked where I came from, and when I said China, she suddenly started shouting at me, saying, Why do you eat animals? Then she got off at the next stop. I was furious. Vietnamese art curator Anne Nguyen was dropped by an exhibitor at a UK art fair who claimed her participation would be seen as carrying the virus. Anne Nguyen shared a screenshot on social media of an email she had received from Raquel Azran, a New York-based art dealer specializing in Vietnamese art which canceled Nguyen's assistant at London's Affordable Art Fair spring event. The coronavirus is causing so much anxiety everywhere, and fairly or not, agents are being seen as carriers of the virus, wrote Azran. Your presence on the stand would unfortunately create hesitation on the part of the audience to enter the exhibition space. After a backlash on social media, Azran apologized for any offense caused by the email. 
If you are seeing that the issue is solely with the person in question alone, it is not. Nguyen posted an Instagram story adding that it was normalizing non-aggressive discrimination that needed to change. Jonathan Mock, a 23-year-old from Singapore, described on social media how he was attacked while walking down Oxford Street in central London. He said that a group of four men told him, we don't want your coronavirus in our country, as they punched and kicked him. The beating left a golf ball-sized lump under his right eye. Mock said he might need an operation on a broken bone near that eye as a consequence of the attack. The attack, which he described in his post, was brutal and racially motivated. The guy who tried to kick me then said, I don't want your coronavirus in my country, he wrote, before swinging another sucker punch at me, which resulted in my face exploding with blood. Mock posted photos of his facial injuries on Facebook, which attracted attention from tens of thousands and accounts worldwide. Racism is not stupidity. Racism is hate. Racists constantly find excuses to expound their hatred. And in this current backdrop of the coronavirus, they've found another excuse, he wrote. On March 6th, London's Metropolitan Police announced that they had arrested a 16-year-old and a 15-year-old involved in the racially aggravated assault on Mock and appealed to the public for help identifying the other two men in connection with the incident. Pawat Sulwatakun, a Londoner who moved to the city from Thailand 10 years ago, was left with a broken nose after two teenagers attacked him on the street. I heard a voice from the left-hand side, and when I looked over, there was someone filming me, Sulwatakun told the BBC. I didn't hear what they were saying, yet... But as I started noticing what the sounds were, it was just coronavirus being repeatedly shouted at me. Before I got a chance to say anything, another teen ran up from behind me and grabbed the headphones from my neck, he said. The teen didn't run away immediately. He took the headphones and then looked back at me and started laughing. He didn't run away. Sobatakun then explained that he was punched in the face his glasses had flown off because of the impact, and he was left with a broken nose. The attack, he said, has made him feel uneasy in the city he loves and calls home. Here in the U.S., the harassment directed at Asian Americans because of the coronavirus epidemic has its roots in a long history of racializing epidemics and perpetuating the idea that immigrants and non-whites are unclean. Chinese immigrants became scapegoats in the 1876 smallpox outbreak in San Francisco. Fear that Chinese immigrants were spreading disease was exploited to drum up support for the Chinese Expulsion Act of 1882, which prevented Chinese laborers from immigrating to the United States and excluded Chinese nationals from eligibility for citizenship. It was the first immigration law that excluded an entire ethnic group. At the time, journalists fixed on the Asian rat as a source of the bubonic plague. The rat became a dehumanizing symbol for the East. 
Kent Ono, a professor of communications and Asian studies at the University of Utah, sees a parallel between the past fixation on rats and current ideas blaming the coronavirus on Chinese wet markets and the consumption of wild animals sold in them. It's not shocking that this time the animal of choice as a carrier of the virus is the bat, Ono said. Figuratively, a bat is a flying rat. The implication is that if humans in China are touching guano, bat dung, it marks the entire culture as unsanitary. Merlin Chaokuan Yun, historian and assistant professor of sociomedical sciences at Columbia University's Mailman School of Public Health, says that associating immigrants with germs fueled the early 20th century xenophobia that led to immigrant restrictions in New York in the 1920s. Historically, in both popular and scientific discourse, contagious disease has often been linked in a blanket way to population groups thought to be outsiders, he said. City authorities justified racial segregation by drawing supposed links between germs and Mexican, Chinese, and African-American people. He pointed out that similar narratives were portrayed against Haitian immigrants in the early days of the HIV epidemic in America, as they were the only group singled out as high risk because of their nationality. Josu David Cisneros, professor at the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign, has studied this phenomenon. It is not surprising that a new disease leads to public fear, stigma, and the scapegoating of certain kinds of people, because we tend to understand these events through our past disease rhetoric, which is rooted in fear, stigma, scapegoating, Cisneros told Business Insider. Some of the U.S.'s first immigration laws were targeting Chinese immigrants because they were seen as racial, cultural, and biological threats. For example, the Chinese Exclusion Act, Cisneros said. Perceived biological threat is tied to a perceived cultural threat. The same pattern has been repeated in more recent outbreaks. In 2002, a different coronavirus emerged in China's Guangdong province, which caused severe acute respiratory syndrome, or SARS. The SARS outbreak killed almost 800 people around the world, and it created a template for racist fear-mongering in subsequent outbreaks. Lehigh University researchers found that the media coverage of the SARS outbreak propagated negative images of Asians, which in turn led to detrimental emotional effects. Rather than focusing on relief efforts by the government and actions taken to contain the epidemic, mainstream media chose simply to expose and repeatedly accuse the Asian population of initiating the spread of SARS, the researchers found. During the swine flu outbreak in the U.S. in 2009, fear-mongering against people of Mexican descent caused a wave of xenophobia and racism against Mexicans and people of Mexican descent. Conservative talk show host Michael Savage told his listeners no contact with illegal aliens, and that starts in the restaurants where he said, you don't know if they wipe their behinds with their hands. Savage even speculated that terrorists were using Mexican immigrants as living weapons of germ warfare. 
It would be easy, he said, to bring an altered virus into Mexico, put it in the general population, and have them march across the border. In 2014, the Ebola virus was causing concern around the world. As the number of Ebola cases increased, so did incidents of violence against those of African descent. The reaction that followed the Ebola outbreak is similar to what has emerged in the spread of the coronavirus. Fear and ignorance are a dangerous combination, especially when they've catalyzed into the spreading of fiction and falsehoods. As a result of the xenophobic reactions to previous outbreaks, health organizations have changed their practices around naming disease outbreaks. The CDC avoids explicitly labeling COVID-19 as the Wuhan virus or the Chinese virus. The World Health Organization sent a memo to governments and media organizations at the end of February urging people not to use the terms Wuhan virus, Chinese virus, or Asian virus. Governments, citizens, media, key influencers, and communities have an important role to play in preventing and stopping the stigma surrounding people from China and Asia in general, the statement said. Yet the same xenophobic and racist rhetoric employed in past outbreaks has emerged in conservative media amid the COVID-19 outbreak. On her program, Full Frontal, Samantha Bee took Fox News to task and showed a collage of Fox News hosts claiming the Chinese released the virus on purpose. Brian Kilmeade insisted that China started it and had yet to apologize. Other right-wing outlets have taken to referring to the virus as Kung Flu. It's difficult to tell whether conservative media is influencing Republican election officials or following their lead. In a tweet promoting a link about coronavirus from the CDC, House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy wrote, Everything you need to know about the Chinese coronavirus can be found on one regularly updated website. Brittany Martinez, a spokesperson for the minority leader, suggested that his racist language somehow held China accountable for its handling of the outbreak. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi demanded an immediate apology from her Republican colleague. Bigoted statements which spread misinformation and blame Asians and the Asian American community for coronavirus make us all less safe, Pelosi tweeted. At GOP leader must delete this tweet and apologize immediately. Former Democratic presidential candidate, California Senator Kamala Harris, went a step further than Pelosi, directly calling McCarthy's remark dangerous. Calling it the Chinese coronavirus isn't just racist, the senator from California tweeted. It's dangerous and incites discrimination against Asian Americans and Asian immigrants. Representative Judy Chu of California, who chairs the Congressional Asian Pacific American Caucus, said in a statement that calling the 2019 novel coronavirus the Chinese or Wuhan coronavirus is as descriptive as calling it the CPAC coronavirus. That is to say, not descriptive at all. Worse, it's harmful. Two members of Congress self-quarantined after being exposed to an individual with the virus at the annual Conservative Political Action Conference. 
Salon reached out to an Asian American advocacy group for further comment on McCarthy's quote. Kevin McCarthy's comment was racist, Margaret Fung, executive director of the Asian American Legal Defense and Education Fund, said in an email. The term Chinese coronavirus is racist because it blames China and the Chinese people for COVID-19, a disease that can affect all people regardless of their race. With rising fears and anxiety over the COVID-19 outbreak, it's inexcusable for GOP leader Kevin McCarthy to engage in racial labeling instead of focusing on solutions to this public health crisis. She added, the stigma of coronavirus has resulted in hate violence against Asian Americans on sidewalks, subways, schools, and other public places. Chinese restaurants and other Asian businesses are losing customers due to the fear of coronavirus. The incidents of anti-Asian racism since the COVID-19 outbreak are too numerous to list here. Arkansas Senator Republican Tom Cotton said in a statement, We will emerge stronger from this challenge. We will hold accountable those who inflicted it on the world. A Twitter commentator explicated these words as meaning China will pay for this. Cotton affirmed that interpretation. Only last month, Cotton suggested, with no evidence, that the coronavirus might have been created in a Chinese super laboratory. Cotton echoed a virulent conspiracy theory spreading among right-wingers. In late February, the American Enterprise Institute, the most influential pop foreign policy think tank on the right, tweeted out, Was coronavirus a bioweapon? We don't know, but history shows we can't trust China. Ironically enough, a weekly intelligence brief from a federal law enforcement division distributed in February reported that white supremacists right here in the U.S. discussed plans to weaponize coronavirus using saliva and a spray bottle. It appears federal investigators have been monitoring white nationalist conversations on Telegram, an encrypted messaging app that's become popular with neo-Nazis. In the discussions, the white supremacists suggested targeting law enforcement agents and non-white people with attacks designed to infect them with the coronavirus. Texas Senator John Cornyn drew criticism on social media and among Asian American advocates for claiming China was to blame for the spread of the coronavirus because of, quote, a culture where people eat bats and snakes and dogs and things like that. These viruses are transmitted from the animal to the people, and that's why China has been the source of a lot of these viruses like SARS, MERS, the swine flu, and now the coronavirus. So I think they have a fundamental problem, the Texas Republican said to reporters, saying he did not object to a geographic name for the virus. Swine flu, by the way, did not originate in China, but started right here in the United States. Asked about Asian Americans' concerns about racism, Cornyn said, I disagree. We're not talking about Asians. We're talking about China, where these viruses emanated from and created this pandemic. Again, Representative Judy Chu of California called Cornyn's comments disgusting and an attempt to shift attention away from President Trump's truncated response to the coronavirus pandemic. Disparaging an entire group and culture like this is bigotry plain and simple, Chu said. 
Blaming Chinese people en masse for the spread of this disease is the exact same bigoted line that was used to justify the Chinese Exclusion Act over a century ago. The National Council of Asian Americans and Pacific Islanders replied directly to Cornyn, writing, There are over one million Asian Americans in your state. These are wildly irresponsible comments when anti-Asian hate crimes are on the rise. The racist and xenophobic labeling of the coronavirus and stigmatizing of immigrants is mirrored in government. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo called the virus the Wuhan coronavirus, referring to the Chinese city where the outbreak began. Meanwhile, the Department of Homeland Security has used coronavirus to justify restricting immigration at the southern border. Large, uncontrolled migrant flows to the U.S. that overwhelm our system and crowd our facilities presently pose a clear and present health risk to Americans, DHS claimed in an update sent to lawmakers. We are safer and better prepared now for the virus because of all the things this administration has done to secure the border, uphold our laws, and reduce the crisis-level migrant flows of last year, DHS said. Fish rots from the head down, according to an old saying, and that seems to be true where the reaction to the COVID-19 epidemic is concerned. Speaking from the Oval Office, President Donald Trump referred to the coronavirus as a foreign virus. This is par for the course for Trump. His racist immigration policy when he ran for president was partly based on the false notion that Mexicans spread disease to the U.S. Without a shred of evidence, Trump claimed in 2015 that tremendous infectious disease is pouring across the border from Mexico. Trump has continued to tout closing the southern border, even though Mexico has far fewer confirmed cases of coronavirus than the U.S. Trump attacked New York Governor Andrew Cuomo in a racist tweet, exposing his lack of knowledge about the coronavirus. Cuomo wants all states to be treated the same, Trump tweeted, but all states aren't the same. Some are being hit hard by the Chinese virus, some are being hit practically not at all. New York is a very big hotspot. West Virginia, thus far, zero cases. Andrew, keep politics out of it. Trump, like his Republican ally, Senator Tom Cotton, and others, focuses on the virus's origins. Calling it the Chinese virus makes the epidemic sound like a foreign invasion. Comments like this sow racism while getting their followers to continue to support right-wing policies like building a wall on the southern border. Condemnation of Trump's tweet was swift. It's apt that a president who takes responsibility for nothing is the first to place blame on everyone else. Shauna C. Naughton, board president and founder of 314 Action, a nonprofit political action committee that helps scientists run for political office, told Salon. This is a mean-spirited distraction when all the administration's attention should be getting this under control and preventing more American deaths. Rosalind Chow, a sociology professor at Georgia State University, said the comment was racist. 
The comments made by President Trump intensifies the xenophobia and racism that's become rampant against Asians and Asian Americans globally, Chow said. He's fueling fears against Chinese specifically. However, people of Asian ancestry across the globe may face collateral damage. These statements are dangerous and erroneously assign blame to people who are as susceptible to the disease as anyone else worldwide. On March 10th, Trump retweeted a post from conservative political activist Charlie Kirk, who referred to the coronavirus as the China virus. Kirk also exclaimed in his tweet, Now more than ever, we need a wall. The U.S. stands a chance if we can get control of our borders. Trump retweeted this and added the comment, Going up fast. We need the wall more than ever. Charlie Kirk is co-founder of Liberty University's Falkirk Center for Faith and Liberty. The Falkirk Center is described by Liberty's newspaper as a modern think tank set to renew and defend God-given freedoms and Christian principles throughout American politics and culture. On March 16th, Trump tweeted, The United States will be powerfully supporting those industries like airlines and others that are particularly affected by the Chinese virus. We will be stronger than ever before. Chinese officials condemned Trump's tweet. The U.S. should first take care of its own matters, said Gen Shuang, a spokesman for China's foreign ministry. Even when assuring Americans who are suffering the loss of work as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic that financial relief is on the way, Trump couldn't resist making another racist remark. For the people that are now out of work because of the important and necessary containment policies, for instance, the shutting down of hotels, bars, and restaurants, money will soon be coming to you, Trump tweeted. The onslaught of the Chinese virus is not your fault. will be stronger than ever. CBS reporter Weijia Zhang tweeted that a White House official called the coronavirus Kung Flu to her face. This morning, a White House official referred to coronavirus as Kung Flu to my face, makes me wonder what they're calling it behind my back, Jiang said. The Washington Post published a photograph of Trump reading from his notes at a daily coronavirus task force press conference. The picture showed the word corona crossed out with what appeared to be Sharpie and replaced with Chinese in Trump's own handwriting. True to form, Trump has defended his labeling of COVID-19 as the China virus as not racist at all, saying, it comes from China. I want to be accurate. When asked about the term during an appearance at a White House briefing, Trump insisted that he was simply pointing out a fact that the disease originated in China. As I noted earlier, public health officials and organizations have tried to avoid names that stigmatize places or ethnic groups. But after the briefing, the White House on Twitter criticized what it called the media's fake outrage, pointing to other illnesses that have been named after places, including the Ebola virus and the West Nile virus. Trump simply ignored that organizations like the CDC and the World Health Organization have learned from the past and no longer give diseases names that include a specific group or geographic location. 
the World Health Organization's guidance for naming infectious diseases cautions against naming diseases for places or people like the West Nile virus or Middle East Respiratory Syndrome. These organizations have changed their policy precisely because of the stigmatizing of ethnic groups during past outbreaks. Trump and his fellow conservatives' insistence upon calling COVID-19 the Chinese virus serves a simple purpose. It draws attention away from the administration's failure to address the pandemic. It directs us away from the fact that Trump blocked coronavirus testing in January to help his re-election chances by keeping the number of U.S. cases low. It focuses attention on Trump's latest outrage in hopes we'll forget that U.S. intelligence agencies issued classified warnings in January and February about the danger posed by the coronavirus while the president and conservative lawmakers and conservative media downplayed the spread of the virus and failed to take action to slow it. Even as early as a week before Trump's inauguration, his incoming team was warned of the potential of a pandemic that could be worse than the influenza pandemic of 1918. The briefing was meant to hammer home the incoming president's responsibility to protect Americans in an unprecedented crisis. The Trump administration instead disbanded the Obama administration's pandemic response team. Naturally, Trump wants us to forget that. It distracts from the multiple times Trump downplayed the seriousness of the coronavirus, claiming that in April, when it gets warm, historically, that has been able to kill the virus. And one day, it's like a miracle. It will disappear. It's intended to make us forget that in February, Trump labeled the coronavirus a democratic hoax. It distracts from all the things Trump didn't do in the face of a pandemic, as David Leonhardt wrote in the New York Times. He could have taken aggressive measures to slow the spread of the virus. He could have insisted that the United States ramp up efforts to produce test kits. He could have emphasized the risks that the virus presented and urged Americans to take precautions if they had reason to believe they were sick. He could have used the powers of the presidency to reduce the number of people who would ultimately get sick. He did none of those things. This shell game is supposed to keep us focused on the latest outrage rather than a long list of failures that brought us to this. It also throws red meat at Trump's ultra-conservative base, giving them someone else to blame for the current state of things. As they face the potential loss of jobs and wages as a result of measures to slow the spread of the virus, and the near inevitability of another recession. It gives them a scapegoat, an other to blame, as Ellie Mistal explained in The Nation. Trump doesn't want his Republican acolytes to think we're fighting a virus. He wants them to think we're fighting the people, the foreign people, who have a virus. The bigotry and xenophobia of Trump's base is the train that is never late. Trump believes correctly, most likely, that his base will be more concerned about who to blame for the outbreak than who is responsible for mitigating the crisis. In that sense, the rhetoric of Trump and his conservative allies primes the pump for the kind of violence and harassment we examined at the beginning of this episode. A Stanford University study suggests that leaders can choose to prime the pump negatively or positively. 
What our study shows very clearly is that the exposure to discourse about contagious disease activates xenophobic tendencies in people. Stanford University Graduate School of Business professor Hayagriva Rao said in an article on the university's blog, somebody's contaminating the water supply, somebody's contaminating the food. These kinds of rumors are very common and sometimes they lead to violence. Whether there's some kind of major incident with global or regional implications, as soon as you can identify it in relation to some racial other, particularly in predominantly white, multi-ethnic societies like the US and England, I think it's very easy for people to use a very small excuse to start scapegoating on the basis of their appearance. Mary Song, professor of sociology at the University of Kent, told Time magazine. Rhetorical choices, however politically expedient, have real-life consequences, and real people pay the price, sometimes in blood. A virus has no nationality, and it respects no borders. The Hate Crime Files podcast is researched, written, produced, and hosted by Terrence Heath. That's me. Thanks for listening. And to all my listeners and subscribers, thanks again for your support. I'll be back with another episode in about two weeks, depending on how self-quarantine works out. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to support it, please subscribe, tell your friends and family about it, and consider leaving a positive review at iTunes Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Until next time, be careful out there and be good to each other.